1: and Welcome to the Rapture's Rapture podcast. I am your host, Mike Bassetti, joined by my co host, Brian Boke. Brian, how are you doing today?
2: Very well, thank you.
1: Um, here we are going to discuss a couple of Raptors games, including their recent four game winning streak, uh, Pascal Siakam's improved play of late, and Norman Powell's, um, well, we'll say not improved play of late. Um, <laughs> uh, way, way to be kind. <laughs> So I guess we'll start off, Brian, by the last time we talked was the after the Milwaukee Bucks loss. Um and since that point the Raptors have won four straight. Has anything stuck out to you, obviously besides the Pascal and Norman that we'll get to later, has anything else stuck out to you, Brian? Uh
2: I've been a little dismayed at the rather shabby quality of the wins. You know, their wins during the, the seven-game win streak were absolutely dominant, and these ones were hesitant. There was uh, a host of bad shooting. Uh, there lots of opportunities to to take games over that didn't happen. So this is not the most uh, pleasant winning streak I've ever I've ever seen, and it's not the right time to be having the kind of offensive funk that they that they've been in, even though they're winning, which is really weird, but. Uh, you know, and they've had new heroes. I mean, if it weren't for C.J. Miles against Washington, I don't think we would have got 80 points. I mean, it was just horrible. Um, but fortunately, he pulled out for us, and the defense was solid, so that was okay. So I'm I'm about as unhappy as I can be in the middle of a four-game win streak.
1: I agree. Um, we've played during this four-game stretch. We've played the Pistons, who are not good. The Magic, who are even worse the John Wallless Wizards, and the Charlotte Hornets. And maybe the Wizards without Wall are still a quality team, but, I mean, those are three stinker teams and one that isn't, I mean, anything special in my opinion. So I think that while you can be excited about the win streak, you can also realize that they haven't played their best basketball of late. And that's okay. I mean, you're not going to play your best at all times, so at least you're still picking up wins and you're not losing the teams you shouldn't. Um, but you can also recognize at the same time that this team can play better, particularly the starters.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just has not worked at all. And I think that shows what happens when you're trying to play four men on five, because the uh, small forward position over the last little while has been a vacuum. And that puts obviously enormous uh, strain on everybody else.
1: Right. Yeah, I totally agree. The small forward position has been really stressful, and as of late, at least when you had OG and Anobi in there, you were getting solid defense and a guy who knew what to do in the right places and knew how to fit with that team. And as of the past couple games, it's been a complete void. So I I agree completely. When you're playing four on five, it's really hard. And I understand that Casey wants to keep chemistry with the bench in it, but i have to wonder if cj miles is going to be added into the starting lineup sometime soon
2: well i've been i've been calling for that. it hasn't happened so i i'm I don't know if i want to say i'm disappointed i'm a little i'm, I'm more surprised and i think that it's something that that dwayne casey no matter how much he loves the chemistry of, his, of the second unit and we all love the chemistry of the second unit he's going to have to make this move because we're getting close to the playoffs and we absolutely have to have more three-point shooting on the starting roster than we have right now. From, particularly from the guard position. DeMar DeRozan, we love him to pieces, but he's he's never going to be more than a, you know, one three-pointer a game kind of guy. And, and Kyle's shot that doesn't help. And we need somebody else who can, who can get in there, stick their nose in, get open, and hit, hit shots and space the floor. It's just not been there with the
1: starters. Yeah, I agree, especially when you get into the playoffs and you can't score in transition as much. You really need that, those spacers there, and as the defense sets up and game plans more to particularly your star players, it will be interesting. I, I do understand that if you put OG to the bench, maybe you're just shifting those problems, but your starters play more than your bench does, so I think, yeah, you're shifting some of your problems, but at least you're, you're putting less minutes out on the floor of that guy. So looking at the schedule coming up, the Raptors have a pretty nice kind of run here. They have the Houston Rockets Friday, March 9th. But other than that, they have the Hawks, Pistons, then they have the Rockets, then they have the Knicks, Nets. Pacers Mavericks, that I mean, that's a, those are really winnable games for the Raptors, and I really think that a big win streak here could and could really separate them for the one seed.
2: Well, they'll never have a better This is as soft and squishy a bunch of teams as, uh, as we're going to likely to face between now and the end of the season. So I'm in wholehearted agreement that this is a time to. To go eight and two over the next two, the next ten games or something like that, and, and really put the uh, Celtics under tremendous pressure. And I say the Celtics because realistically, it's very hard to imagine the Cavaliers going off on some kind of a crazy Houston Rockets style 15 game win streak. I just don't I don't think they have it in them. I think they'll be very happy just to tread water with their uh, transition team that they've got there. So I'm not worried about the Cavs at this moment, maybe in the playoffs, but not right now. But Boston it seems to have some uh, high degree of resilience, more than I would have given them credit for. So those are the ones. Those are the guys that we've got to push back once and for all. Yeah, I'm, Cleveland's nine games back. I think realistically,
1: even if they went undefeated the rest of the way, which I, I'm not saying they're going to do, but even if they did, they couldn't. I don't think they could catch us. So. You're right. I don't think we need to worry about them. I think, as you said, if we go 8-2 and two over these next 10 games, we could get a nice four-game, five-game lead on the Celtics. It really puts a lot of pressure on them, and I, I think it becomes too hard to overcome if you're the Celtics. So it really is a deciding stretch here for the Raptors. Yeah,
2: they're in, they're in the, the one season right now. Somebody's got to catch them. So it's not the same as them having to put the pedal to the metal like we've seen many times or I've seen many times in the past uh, just to, to get to a desirable spot. I mean, they are now the hunted, not the hunter, and that's a very pleasant position to be in. Right, and how nice
1: would it be if the last two games against potentially your first-round opponent, the Pistons, or Heat, you get to rest your starters and get everybody kind of a rest heading into the playoffs, that would, be, that would do wonders for your team, I think.
2: I'm in full well, agreement with that statement. We're very happy to see our starters stay in their sweatsuits all game or games, as the case may be. Once it becomes mathematically impossible to be caught, that'd be fine with me. Or, or you know, put them on on a numbers count where after 24 minutes, baby, that's it. You're coming off.
1: Yeah, exactly. Keep them
2: keep them fresh, but
1: also keep them not rusty. Playing maybe a few minutes. I can understand that too. Um... What stuck out to me over these most recent games is the improved play of Pascal Siakam. Um, Over the past five days, he's played phenomenal for the team. He is really developing into this kind of point forward role for the bench, which is funny because it has two point guards on it, but yet you see Pascal Siakam with so much playing, uh, so much playmaking ability. Brian, what – What do you think of Siakam's game and really the improvements he's made since the beginning of the season?
2: Well, that guy is getting better. It's it's really quite remarkable how he's come into the league with so little basketball playing background in the first place. I mean, he was a soccer player in his home country and only switched to basketball in his teens, and he's barely out of his teens, and here he is improving every year. And I don't think we've seen what he's fully capable of. I mean, here we are whining about the fact we don't have a, a legitimate uh, small forward. And I've been saying all along, almost since the first time I saw that guy, I said, that is a small forward of the future. Because what, when and if he develops an outside shot, how do you stop him? He's fast. He runs the floor like crazy. He blocks shots. He's a hell of a defender in so many ways. It just doesn't appear to be a ceiling on the man. And those are the best kinds of players.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. He just, he keeps developing into more. And every, it seems like every month he adds something new to his game. He adds playmaking. He's always been kind of an energy defense rebounding guy. Um, What player do you think he reminds you most of around the league? Wow.
2: That's an intriguing question. Um, you know what, let's keep going. And I will, let me mull that one over in the back of my brain. and see if I can come up with an answer. All right. I got one for
1: you. He reminds me, of, he, he's not as good on the defensive end. And I don't think anyone is, but he reminds me a lot of offensively of Draymond Green and the ability to play make as a secondary playmaker, the ability to run. He's got a great, as far as head on him, as far as maybe not temper tantrum wise, but as far as sees the game well and can do everything his sh- jumper isn't consistent really but everything else he does well
2: uh yeah i, I can definitely see that i can also see him as a, a younger version of luau Deng.
0: i mean oh, when Luol Deng was, in,
2: was in his his prime he was an extremely versatile do everything kind of player the, the kind of player a coach absolutely loves
1: yeah, he's one of those guys that he can play next to almost anybody because he can do so many things, and he doesn't have one super skill set where he's not Andre Drummond rebounding or he's not Steph Curry shooting, but he has he's so good at so many things that it's almost like a skill set of itself, kind of like an Al Horford. not He's not a similar player to Al Horford, but in the same way that he's good at so many different things.
2: He is and you know, maybe there's something else that he's good at. He's good at being unselfish. And you alluded to it, his playmaking has come a long way. And when you have guys like that who who genuinely don't have egos, they're so valuable because you don't have to you don't have to don't have to be silly with them on the bench and coddle them and say, Oh, come on, please, pass the ball. He's just not that kind of guy. He wants the team to win. And and again, you have to coach us to love a guy like that.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm looking at his stats right now from this year to last year. Last year, he averaged 0.3 assists per game. This year, he's up to two. So, I mean, that's that's over six times as many assists per game this season. And he's rebounding the ball more. He's scoring more. He's doing everything better. But that is by far the biggest jump. Um, He's just been great for the Raptors. But as we move on, enough with the positive. We are Raptors fans, so let's dive into the negatives and the play of Norman Powell of late. Um, Brian, you wrote an article, actually, discussing Norman Powell, kind of his future with the Raptors, what, what's going on with him. Um, if you want to go ahead and speak on that a little bit.
2: Well, what I said is that he's been given – couple of opportunities this year to get out of whatever kind of funk he's in and it just hasn't happened and uh it, the, the trend line clearly is not positive, given a, a huge contract and so it's not like we can say well that's too bad you know our our number 47 pick or whatever he was uh did, didn't make the team oh well are lots of other people you know this guy is now the team has made a commitment to him and, and him to the team And it looks like it's going to be an expensive flop because he's not doing anything right now and he should be in the prime of his, of his career. So what I suggested was that maybe trade him to uh, Orlando for, for Terrence Ross uh, in the summertime when the contracts match up and the dollars work. Mm -hmm. Terrence has got one more year in his contract. So if, if the whole thing is a flop, well, that's, that's too bad for us and so on. we've lost one season and $10 million on the salary cap. But it's not so terrible as if we have Norman signed up for years and years and he's not even going to be able to uh, crack the rotation, um, which is the situation right now because he is, he's going to be benched. I mean, good Lord, we, we brought in a new guy today entirely out of, out of, out of nowhere. A new, a new guy was announced as being signed to a 10-day contract.
1: Right. Did you uh, see
2: that? Yeah, uh,
1: well, to, in place
2: of him starting was Malcolm Miller. A, a
1: oh, it was guy, uh, uh,
2: Nigel Hayes was announced today as signing a 10-day contract.
1: Oh, the old Wisconsin player. Um, exactly. So I did not know that Nigel Hayes was signed, but that is certainly not a good sign. Um, Nigel's had a cup of coffee in the NBA before, but he's not someone you're going to rely on for minutes. Yeah, I saw Norman, he lost the starting role. Um, to Malcolm Miller, who I've written about quite a few times in my Raptors 905 update, but you're not hoping to see Raptors 905 players in March, you know?
2: Not for a a number one seed, no. Yeah, and if you are, you're hoping
1: it's, oh, okay, he's getting a couple scrap minutes here, a couple end-of-the-quarter situations there because of foul trouble. You're not expecting the guy to start, so – I mean, you're right. The Norman Powell, it's concerning. Um, people are discussing trading him. The only problem is I'm not sure who wants to take a flyer on that guy right now when he's playing the way he is. Um,
2: it's – that's let's get back to Orlando because our, it was Jeff Weltman who, who called him out to the Raptors in the first place when he was, of course, the uh, second in command decide before he got the big job in Orlando. Yeah. So yeah. He, he knows Norman. And he may be he may be far more willing than anybody else to in fact take the flyer you're referring to because Lord knows it they got nothing else going on in Orlando, so they might as well take a chance on somebody like him. Yeah, he is someone that if he's if he he's shown flashes
1: before. It's not like there isn't a lack there's no lack of talent there. Um you know, it's just interesting. I thought for a while part of it was not receiving consistent playing time, and once he got consistent playing time, it would he would feel more relaxed and okay in the starting lineup. But it appears during these couple games OG's been out that that's not the case at all because even with OG out and him being guaranteed consistent minutes, he has not lived up to the billing. Nope. Sad but true. And, I mean, at least before he was being aggressive, now it appears it's almost like he's in his own head. And I think he's less aggressive than he was before. He's not shooting the ball well. Um, And his three-point percentage has dipped every year he's played. So it really is not – things have been better for Norman. But that being said, he's 24 years old. It's not – it's not like it's an ability thing, and he certainly can turn it around at any moment. Um, you're just probably going to have to wait till at least the off season for that.
2: Yeah, I think he has unfortunately put himself in a position where he is going to be getting a whole bunch of DNP CDs uh, until the Raptors have clinched the, the one seat, and then maybe you put him back up there again. But on the other hand, maybe maybe the team has mentally moved past, and maybe management's had enough. And they are going to give these guys, like, you know, Malachi Richardson may presumably get some more minutes but sometime. time. Uh, and, and Nigel Hayes, if you sign a guy for a 10-day contract, presumably only want to have a look at him at the big, big, big level. So Norman's got to be feeling pretty uncomfortable with about now.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, has there been any, any update on OG's ankle as of now um, that you're aware of?
2: No, I left with the... Uh, Injury reports and there's, there's nothing new. It's just it's still listed as day to day. He's been in a walking boot, and he's, but he's got it off now, and so on and so forth. I mean, we've all had ankle ankle sprains, and they're so tiresome <laughs> because you don't. Know, there's not much you can do other than to uh, keep the keep the ankle in a, in a tight position and not put any more stress on it, and, and hope it gets better. Maddening. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's all you can do. And you don't want to have a player out there with an injured ankle and then have him compensating it for it, reaching, hurting other things. We've seen other players when one part of your body's hurt, your body tries to compensate for that and it can affect you negatively in other ways. So. Yes. That's a great example. And certainly, and Anobi with a guy who's had knee problems in the past and he's your future. You don't want to be playing him in kind of the dog days of March for this. I mean, you, you want that guy to be healthy, not only for this season, but for seasons going forward.
2: No, absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they shut him down for for this entire week. Yeah. I'll try think, some guys out in the meantime.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Give Nigel Hayes some run. Um, you can do worse things and drop a couple games in March if you're playing one of your future building pieces heavily with an injury.
2: Sure.
1: Okay, and for our last segment, Brian, I we want to go over with uh, just, <clears throat> just under a month remaining, or just over a month, I'm sorry, into the playoffs. I kind of want to take each week, take some time out and preview some of the Eastern Conference opponents. We did a preview uh, Eastern Conference pod last week, I think it was. Um, But now let's kind of go more in depth on certain teams. Uh, This week, let's go ahead and talk about the Washington Wizards. So um, what are your overall takeaways for the Washington Wizards? Uh, How worried would you be kind of on a scale of one to ten? When facing the Wizards, and what would worry you the most about them?
2: The Wizards don't have the depth to go a long way in the playoffs. To win 12 games, which gets you to the NBA Finals, or 16 games, which gives you to the win at the championship with a team as maybe, and I'm being kind, eight players deep as they are, is in a possible order. That said, they can certainly win a series or even two with their current roster because they've got enough shooting between Beal and presumably Walken's back healthy and Otto Porter, who's who's going to be a beast one of these years. You know, I, I really I, I think they did the right thing in sign in signing that guy to a, to a big money contract. And hopefully, uh, I mean, from their point of view, I hope they don't have to wait too long. Obviously, from our point of view, I hope they have to wait forever. But he's got the talent to cause all kinds of trouble from the corner trees. He can drive the ball. He can pass. Um, but, but the rest of the team, I think is, is really light. I don't think Martin Gortat has, uh, got a really scary aspect to him anymore. He's strong. He tries hard, but he's the kind of guy who I think has lost his depth. I don't think he's got, he never had much of a uh, vertical leap anyway. And he's got even less now. So, uh, they, they scare me because they, they could win four games in a row just like they did in our, nightmare playoff series of a few years ago but i don't think that they can take the raptors in, in a legit and true seven game series i mean, think you can handle that i agree um any loss
1: to the raptors would, or not the raptors i'm sorry the wizards would certainly be a major disappointment um borderline on disaster like you said i just don't think they have the depth there aren't a lot of guys that scare me on that roster or outside the starting unit. Kelly Oubre is a nice player It's the sixth man, but other than that, kind of when you're talking about the seventh man, Mike Scott, Tim Frazier, Jan Mahinney none of those guys really
2: worry me too much. Um, well, they'll push Thomas Sadoransky back when Wall returns. Right. And he's he's I would say. A competent journeyman, I'll give him that much. But he again, he's not a scary guy. He's not. He's not going to shoot the lights out on you like a like an auto porter would.
1: No. I, yeah, I don't know how they. Frankly, I don't know if if Beal and Wall sit at any time. I don't know how they keep their head above water, um, with the bench unit coming in. I just think Toronto's bench is going to be too much for theirs, even. Perhaps their starters can play even with Toronto, I don't necessarily doubt that. I just don't think they have the depth to match Toronto, and I don't think anyone inside scares me for the whisper. I think that Morris doesn't scare me a ton, and I don't think that Gortad, at this point in his career, is someone that you really have to worry about.
2: No, he's a problem. He's He's not a threat, if I can make that kind of artificial distinction.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can't leave him alone, but he's not someone who is going to really challenge Jonas Valanciunas in any way. And certainly, I think where the Raptors have their biggest problem is if you get somebody who can kind of make Valanciunas play out in space and kind of take him out of his comfort zone, and Gortat certainly not that. <laughs>
2: um.
1: That's all I got, Brian. Do you, any quick notes you want to touch on real quick? No, I think we're good. All right. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you, Brian. Thank you.